We have to say it. We have to say it. I was actually, right when I pressed the button, I was like, how many tangents can we go on? Just me and you. Oh, a lot already. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, and wherever a good book is being talked, spoken about, we're going to talk about it because we're Book Talk, baby. I'm Caitlin, joined by my host today, Hilda, and we are down a member today. Bridget is sitting this one out for personal reasons, and we respect her decision to do so. And don't worry, she will be back. She will be back as after we wrap up all of Iron Flame, and we'll be back in business. Yeah, she'll be leading the discussion on Kevin's book, um, which is set to publish on 12-12. So please know we miss – I know she's going to listen. We miss you dearly, Bridget, but we'll we'll get her back shortly. So for today and the iron, the rest of the Iron Flame discussions, you're getting me and Hilda. And boy, do we have thoughts and feelings on this one. So many thoughts. And feelings. So many feelings. They were very positive, though. Very positive. Very positive. And I think we were both pleasantly surprised by this book. I enjoyed this book so much more than book one. I have to agree. I have to agree. I thought and if book one was overhyped and it was just like... And I wonder if it's because I made a dedicated effort to avoid anyone talking about it. I mean, we pretty much jumped on it as soon as it was published. Mm -hmm. But I tried to stay away from any TikToks talking about it, any good read reviews. I did not want to be influenced because we were so highly influenced. And it was everywhere, basically, before we read the first book. And I think that kind of ruined it for us because it was such a big hype that we're like, eh, it was good. Yeah. But this one definitely – it. I'm – I'm almost shocked at how good it was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to say, again, it wasn't perfect, but it it was good. And actually, I did see one unspoilery, unspoilery, I, Oof, I don't know, I can't, unspoiler, I, what am I trying to say this? I don't know, unspoilery. Again. Yes, there we go. Um, feedback, which was actually by um, Listen with Brett. And she was like, it's kind of set up like an episode, like a TV episode. And I was like, that's an interesting piece of feedback. And I was like, I get it. I don't hate it. And I don't mind it. But I I saw that correlation. I saw that halfway through my read. And it isn't something that I picked up on immediately. But I think ultimately it's what made me appreciate it so much more. And we'll get into that in thoughts and feelings. Yeah. So as a reminder, we're just going to go ahead. Spoiler alert. For all of it, if you haven't read the first book in the the series, Fourth Wing, what are you waiting for? But also, (laughs) uh, don't come to this one thinking you can catch up. I highly recommend you read that first or at least listen to the podcast episode where we talk about that and then come to this one um, because we will be going into deep themes in this, some spoilers of things that happen and that are to come. So if you prefer to be unspoiled and read this and be uninfluenced like us, heed this warning. So as a reminder, this is book two in Rebecca Yaros' series, which is actually a five-book series. We got confirmation earlier this month, and this month being November of 2023, so whenever you come to this episode, this is the time period I'm talking about, um, that Amazon, MGM Studios, is partnering with Michael B. Jordan's production company to bring this series to life. So are there any dates around this? No. Couldn't find anything. But very excited, and I really hope they don't screw it up because I feel like they got some like prime A material, especially having read this book. I am cautiously optimistic that it'll be good. 
Now, I did do some snooping to see if there were any casting information available, but there's not. Nothing confirmed. Um, I did see a bunch of TikToks of fan casts, and man, they were all on point. All completely different actors, and I was like, each one of you I accept as each person you are picturing for this. Um, But I guess I'm old because I didn't know any of these up-and-comers. Not Uh. a single one where I'm like, oh, you look familiar. I hate that. I think I hate more, though. It's like, oh, I'm old. Like, is is Henry Cavill not Zayden? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me who it is. Uh, also, I apologize. Toby has the zoomies because he also was really excited about Iron Flame. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I heard him. I heard him scattering around. So you know what we're talking about. You know we got our spoiler warnings off the get-go. Let's get into the overdramatic, dramatic book synopsis. I will give this one a go unless Hilda you're feeling feeling dramatic-y. Uh n- you know I haven't even read this one so you can have Okay. It. <laughs> Here we go. Thankfully this is shorter than the one we read for Fire in the Flesh, Flesh in the Fire, a fire broken out. Whatever that one oh, is called. <laughs> fire broken out on my body. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're all the same name and it drives me nuts. You hear me talk about it all the time that it drives me nuts. So let's get in. The overdramatic dramatic book synopsis. Everyone expected Violet Soringale to die during her first year at – oh, here we go with the names. I'm going to start over and just say, you heard a struggle with the first time on these names. I called Bags Gath College Bagshmath for the longest time because I just couldn't figure out what these words were trying to tell me. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. That still is like a Bagshmath. <laughs> Bagshmath. <laughs> uh, I think I've come to now say it's Baz Gath is what I believe our Scottish Gaelic friend on TikTok – has instructed us to be. So I'm just going to go ahead and say pronunciations. You know it's not our strong suit. I mean, our strong suit. And we struggled extra hard on this one. So we've never lied to you guys about our ability, <laughs> our shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me get back into it. Everyone expected Violet Soringale to die during her first year at Bagsyath War College, Violet included. But threshing was only the first impossible task meant to weed out the weak-willed, the unworthy, and the unlucky. But now the real training begins, and Violet's already wondering how she'll get through. It's not just the grueling and maliciously brutal, or even that it's designed to stretch the writer's capacity for pain beyond endurance. It's the new vice commandant who's made it his personal mission to teach Violet exactly how powerless she is, unless she betrays the man she loves. Although Violet's body might be weaker and frailer than everybody else's, she still has her wits and a will of iron. And leadership is forgetting the most important lesson Bags Gath has taught her. Dragon riders make their own rules. But a determination to survive won't be enough this year. Because Violet knows the real secret hidden for centuries at Bags Gath World College. And nothing, not even Dragonfire, may be enough to save them in the end. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So let's get into thoughts and feelings on this one. Let's do it. I'm going to start off and say, you, you heard us say earlier it was, it was positive. I enjoyed the hell out of this book. I really liked it. And I agree that I think it was better than Fourth Wing. Yeah, 100%. I originally balked at the 878 pages <laughs> when we were discussing our reading assignments. I was like, what the fuck? I was so pissed. It's I was a, like, it was how a lot. dare she? But it it was really good. It flew by really quickly. And it I was very pleasantly surprised about how much better it is than Fourth Wing. 
I think you you put it in our notes too, but like it didn't feel like a chore. And it I think didn't, especially coming off the the JLA book we just read that we a fire in the flesh and our hemorrhoids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it was still a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, that one felt like required reading. This mm-hmm. this I was excited for, and even opening the book to be like being re-exposed to these characters, I'm like, ah. Oh, feels like I'm back with the crew. Like I'm back with the friends. And that is a feeling I haven't felt since – I mean, I think I, we talked about I felt it with the Witch Walker series. But also yeah. um, Akatar when you're like, I'm back with the gang. I love this crew. Let's see what antics we get into. Yeah. My uh, mm-hmm. biggest critique is that we did not get a map of yes. this world and this continent. So when they talk about the places and the locations, there's – like no relation like are we talking about florida you know from like miami to like fort lauderdale or to like jacksonville are we talking you know eastern seaboard like dc to new york to like or am i talking like you know los angeles miami to to london like i don't know they did no idea do their best to say like oh that's an 18 hour dragon flight or a two hour dragon flight but still, how, like when you, how fast do dragons fly? Right. What's the miles per hour on them? Actually, would really, we really be interested to know. Yeah. Because she talked it's not about horse being, power. That's true. <laughs> Man, we're on fire already. Oh lord, it's terrible. <laughs> but without a map, it was hard to conceptualize how all over the place this one took us. Yeah. And so it would have been nice. It would have been nice for a visual. I think sometimes we take these maps for granted when we get them. We did get a nice visual of the quadrant layout. So it's like, mm-hmm. here's the leadership and you got the squad leader and the wing leader, which was nice to know, but I think would have been more beneficial in the first book when we are learning. Exactly. And then give me a map of this book. Right. That would have been helpful. Like the outposts where Resin was. Yeah. I don't know. Where do the wards end? Right. All this, all this is good to know. Uh, so when I first started this book, I noticed immediately, and I think you um, mentioned this as well, that they were book talk shout outs. So they actually had people from TikTok giving their opinions or their comments in the book. And I was like, this is so fun. I apparently missed it in the first book. But now I have a new life goal and we're going to get Book Talk Made Me podcast quoted in one of the three other books that are left. This is a new new goal for me we're gonna start manifesting this we're gonna manifest it and uh you all can do your part to uh help bubble up that comment to uh i guess red red tower red dawn who are the people the universe yeah it's like her (laughs) publishers like the red tower red dawn i can't remember which in this book we got a lot more of taryn and violet's internal dialogue back and forth and Mm -hmm. it was some sassy insight because she'd be like oh can you actually carry ardana in this harness and he's like i've killed people for insults less than that and i've just like these things just they tickled my fancy tarn <laughs> what do i call him taryn tarn i, I call tarn. him i call him tarn i don't know i chances are i am not right but who knows these days um there's that one scene where he scares the shit out of varish and solace oh. mm-hmm and I was like, I was like, Tarn, that's kind of hot. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, you know, 
if somebody, not saying it's me, since I'm still really focused on the stocking who stuffed her, <laughs> if somebody wanted to write, you know, like a Wattpad with Tarn Violet Love, I wouldn't You'd be judge there them. for it. I wouldn't read it, but I wouldn't judge them. But it was very like, that's my writer. Like, don't fucking mess with her. It yeah. was it was it was almost like touch her, I'll kill you vibes. Exactly. And seeing that was like, hmm, Tarn. Obviously he's a dragon, but it was just very like I like you even more now, Tarn. I, I like you even more. Way. He's 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 sarcastic and sassy. And they really were a dynamic duo because she'd be like, Tarn, where are you? And he's like, right above the ridge line. Like he was always right there with her, in for her antics, whatever she was pulling in there to support her, which is nice to see in a a partner that you're bonded yeah. to and your life depends on. You know, what more right. could you it's ask like, for? It's like your person. Like right. the way that I'm Toby's person, but Toby is just a cat, not a gigantic dragon. Correct. Very, very strong similarities. Now, I kept thinking, I'm like, hmm, if this is going to be a TV show, who would I want? Because I'm seeing all these fan casts. Not a fan cast for Tarn. Not a voice. And I'm just like, who – would be the voice of Tarn in my head. It needs to be like a Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones. So I kept coming back to Idris Elba. Yes. That is who I pictured. Like someone with a British accent, but like a strong baritone. Yes. Like that's what I need. Yes. But uh-huh. not as old as Morgan Freeman, you know? Like Maybe. someone yeah, but sprightly. Just, it was like dignified, I guess. Dignified, Yes. He's a classy dragon, okay? Classy and sassy. That should be the new sticker. <laughs> Tarn, our dragon. He's classy, he's sassy, and he'll poke your eye out. <laughs> Ouch. Well, that's what he did to Solus. Yeah, he did. Fuck that guy. <sighs> now let's talk about fuck that guy. The number one, I'd say, arch enemy in this book who... Doesn't last the entire book, though, which is thankfully, surprisingly refreshing. It was refreshing. But man, did he cement his place on the fuck that guy list in my head. For the time that he was around, I hated him with a fiery, burning passion. It had been a it had been a while since I felt that angry at a villain. I agree. I really had some strong feelings against him. Because he already starts off as like a slimy asshole. And he's like, oh, you're... General Sorengale's daughter, I thought for sure you'd be dead in the first year. And you're like, okay, this is the first thing you're saying for me? Awesome. Like, fuck off, bro. Yeah. Like, just got here. It's like the Taylor Swift song. 7 a.m. You need to calm down. Like, you know, it's too much. Too much right now, Varish. Um, And he quickly, quickly proves why we he is a, a giant asshole and also why his dragon is as unhinged as him. Uh, so this is Vice Commandant. Varish. And so apparently he's besties with Etos, Colonel Etos, and he apparently has come to the War College because they have grown soft, but he is unhinged and he basically picks on Violet a lot. And I guess we're kind of getting into the story a little bit, but after what happened at Resson, Andarna goes into dragon sleep because she's maturing as an adult a little bit early and whatever she goes into the veil and is being protected by the elders but apparently dragon sleep is like i don't know it's a process they go to sleep they wake up 
And I pictured it like when uh, seven in the when Sleeping Beauty, not Sleeping Beauty. Well, yes, kind of like Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Sleeping Beauty or Seven Dwarfs, where like your princess is asleep and she's going to be like dead asleep until a process wakes her up. And so he, when he gets to the war college, he's like, "Um, I need to meet your dragon. And for whatever reason, they wouldn't tell him that she was sleeping. I don't think they explained to us why. Um, I was vague on that point, too, and I thought maybe I had missed it and was trying to go back. I think it's because they didn't want they didn't want to expose her to him. I in guess her they didn't state. Yeah, I guess because she would have been going. The only thing that I could logically reason out was they didn't want to explain that she was going into adulthood early because then they would have had to explain what, what she happened. did in Resson and like manifested her power because apparently that was the catalyst to have her go yep into adulthood early so anyways he keeps asking for her to show up and violet's just kind of like well you know we can't tell dragons what to do and as punishment he makes violet constantly practice her signet until she essentially is on the point of burning out i.e dying and so he'll do lots of things and he'll like uncharacteristically like search her bags he he has it out for her he really does and there is no nowhere she can go where she's not being watched Monitored. yeah or surveilled or a threat of death looming on her and and we'll get into that but man i think when you called it like he's the new professor umbridge i would say yep that is that's who he is that's exactly who he is you know we're getting into plot also but so bearish uh is arguably the worst. And in addition to doing all this and monitoring her, he ends up taking Violet and torturing her. And torturing her for five days. Which was, ugh. And I know you have thoughts on this. And so anytime that there is a torture scene or a part where someone's gravely injured and someone from the beyond comes to visit them to like hold their hand, comfort them, keep their mental sanity intact. I mean, arguably, like, you're talking to someone who's died. So, like, are is your mental sanity intact? Maybe not. But anytime someone from beyond, in this case, Liam, makes an appearance to help her stay strong and not succumb to the torture, and it just – it broke my heart again because, like, she missed him. She was so happy he was there. And he really – she's like, I feel his presence here. And he really anchored her during that deep – dark time and it gave me very much throne of glass vibes and i know you felt the same hilda i i put it in my notes i i can't deal with torture scenes i always have to stop and walk away because i just like i can't i can put up with a lot but not that and so this part in particular i struggled with it not because it was poorly written or anything it was just a really tough scene but having liam show up (laughs) And help her through it. And I don't think we're clear if that was like an illusion or if he actually was able to come from beyond Malik, like let him maybe come. But it was just it was one of those things where like, Liam, I know, miss that guy. Why can't they bring him back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they brought someone back that. I'm still un- – we didn't get full clarity on this, but – and I don't think – I don't know. Did you have it in your notes? I I thought I had written – I guess I didn't. 
I must have just texted you and just been like, what the fuck? Yes. So we both, I was a little bit ahead of Hilda. And so I knew she got to this one part that I got where someone who has died that we were very happy to see go. And I think who I even said, well, I mean, yeah, mountain collapsed on him, but like, did he really get what was coming to him? I wanted a more vengeful death. Yeah. That guy, Jack Barlow, crazy is back. A little unclear on the deets, if I'm being honest. We know that the Bagsgath, um, Bagsgath, Nolan, Nolan, the healer, the mender of the college, had been working to mend his soul, which means his body was somehow recovered. They weren't super clear on the details, just that the entire, I don't know, first third of the book, Nolan's not really around. He's been really busy. We kind of know that there's something up. Lo and behold, one day in battle brief, fucking Jack Barlow walks in. Just rides in. Like nothing and, ever happened. And apparently he's nice-ish. Yeah. And he tells Violet, oh, yeah, meeting Malik was like a second chance at life. And of course, rightfully so, she does not trust him. And as I, the reader, also was like, I wouldn't trust that guy as far as I can throw him, which would not be very far. Yeah, but yeah. So it was very like, who, who are we picking and choosing who's coming back? going on here what's going on here another another what's going on here is the game of 20 questions that happens with violet and zayden so obviously trust is lost we know there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of the last book where brennan her dead brother is revealed to be alive we know that she knew he was in on some of the rebellion antics and had made friends with griffin writers and she ultimately felt like her trust was beyond broken but they had gotten into this like back and forth of 20 questions where he's like, I'm an open book. Ask me a question. She's like, well, I don't know if I can trust you or your questions. But also like she doesn't know what she doesn't know. So how is she going to know to ask the right questions? And he's like, just ask me the right questions. It was this back and forth that went on for way too long. And it was just a tougher – if there was a tough part in this book, I would say that was the, the most annoying part of it. That and the cat storyline. Oh. <sighs> That bitch. That crazy unhinged bitch. But also she's like not a bad person, just power hungry. It was really. And also her signet is to amplify the emotions. So her goal was to make Violet super jealous of their past, her past relationship with Zayden. And in doing so would just fuel Violet into this like uncontrollable rage. And that was, that was her power. That was her signet. And so. Once you kind of understood that, you're like, oh, okay, I understand why. I see why she kept amping her up. But also like, Mm -hmm. come on, man. Come on. You lost. You lost your man. It's okay. But you take the L. You really didn't want him anyway. Right. You just wanted his position. So my biggest gripe with this book would have actually been Violet. She annoyed me in this book because she was doing to Zayden – I'm sorry, she was doing to Re, Rhiannon, yes. her best friend, what she accused Zayden of doing to her. And so I was like, our our FMC doesn't have any self-awareness? Apparently not. I was like, that, I mean, I'm used to FMCs having different types of character flaws, but not having self-awareness shouldn't be one of them. This was... An, ob- an obvious one. So we had miscommunication tropes on all end. We got it coming from her love interests. We've got it coming into her from her allies. And I mean, I guess what really paints her into that lonely position where she's like, I can trust no one. I have no one here. 
But also, you don't. Let's rely on our squad. So they had so many fights about this miscommunication trope. And we'll get into that when we get into that. But man, just know that that was a little bit, a little bit tougher. I also feel we need to go on a little bit of an apology tour. We do. We do. Um, some apologies need to be made to Dane in particular. And while I'm not fully convinced, I do need to say, I'm sorry we called you an insecure blonde male. At yeah. least that. Multiple times. And said you suck. Dane, it is possible that I don't wish you to die a horrible, terrible death anymore. Now, I actually want him to maybe die a valiant and a noble courageous. Death? Yes, a noble death. I think that will happen. I kept thinking it was going to happen in this book, but it didn't. Yeah, because apparently everyone, Dane, is not entirely a dick. He did like a 175. Mm-hmm. Also, I heard you call his dad. What? How do you say their last name? Etos. Okay, that confused me because I was like, who the hell is Etos? I was saying Etos. Etos, Etos, I mean. A-E-T-O-S. So I'll leave you to say who, you, whoever, however you say that. I just wanted a quick correction note on like who we're talking to. So Dane's dad, asshole. Dane, we called you an asshole. You're really just kind of more of a jerk sometimes, but with a heart. A jerk yeah. with a heart of gold. Apparently, Dane really isn't that big of a dickhead. Yes. He's just uh, a dick sometimes. Right. I mean, aren't we all? You know? Yeah, exactly. Just in a bad mood, here we are. Also, apologies maybe to General Sorengill, where we said you were a heartless bitch who didn't care. Apologies there. I am a sucker. I don't, I mean, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it, but just, I cried a little bit. Oh, I think I did too. Because it was just very, it, it, it was, it was a powerful ending. It was also like a little bit of a fake out because right. I thought something else was happening with Sloan. Yes. Like, I thought she was dragging Sloane to sacrifice Sloane, not dragging Sloane to drain her. To fuel, yeah. And so it was, at first I was like, oh my God, this fucking bitch. And then I was like, oh. No. Yeah. She's sacrificing herself. And then. I was confused a little as well in the beginning too. And then I realized, and you kind of saw this, early on we see this different side to her. And we're so close to getting to the blame pop point, so I don't want to get in too much. But you saw the little cracks in the foundation of the wall that we thought, the icy wall she'd put up. And and that was, I think, the final crack that really just got us in our feels. Also, I, I know we talked about it in the beginning, but this is going to be five books. And I feel like we are in a place right now, knowing what we know in the ending of this book, how it ends, that this could cleanly possibly wrap up in one more book. So I'm curious – and really hopeful that the series continues to deliver on the level that this one delivered. But I'm also like, five books? We've got three more to go? I am – okay, so I had originally put – I was like, how is this going to be five books? And then if you drag out the plot of maybe three, mm -hmm. I, 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 st I still think it could be finished in three. I think it could be finished in three also. I'm not seeing – what we know in this book, how to drag it out to three more books. And you know, we hate a dragged out series. So I just really, really hope we're not getting enough flesh in a fire, fire in the ashen flames, as told by Zayden, territory. I would want as told by the dragons, though. I wouldn't mind one of those. Oh, I would take that. I 
a little sneak into the Imperium and like the goings yeah. on there. And a history of the dragons. I wouldn't mind if it was a five book series, if the main story got wrapped up in three and then, or even four. And then the last book was more of like a supplemental, here's a different side story, like almost the way the Akatar, the first three Akatar books, and then you have Silver Flames. Right, which takes it on to a different tangent. Yeah, like you still have the same characters, but it's a slightly different storyline with different main characters from the group of characters that you know. If that was the case, I wouldn't mind it. I'm still a little, mm, I don't know. I don't know about five books with the main Violet and Zayden storyline. I agree. I agree. What other thoughts do you have, Hilda? I have a moral of a story, which is, Tell people about your fucking dreams. I'm not talking about your hopes and aspirations here. I'm literally talking about the dreams that you have at night. As someone who has really interesting dreams. And you text us. You make a point to text me and Bridget. Here's what happened last night. I tell people because especially in fantasy books, there's always something happening in dreams. If you are having a reoccurring dream and it's feeling too real – it's this is a problem. This is a flag. You can tell somebody about it. That's a flag, baby. You better be telling someone about it. So, anyways, that's the moral of the story. Uh, guys, feel free to jump into our DMs and tell us about any wacky dreams that you guys have. Um, and maybe I will reciprocate and tell you about the latest crazy one. I mean, that I have. has wild adventures that Bridget and I regularly say. I'm like, I would watch this as a next Netflix episode. I have unhinged, unhinged. I feel like you're going, you're in like dream world doing stuff. And I'm like, I've stress dreams about like when I was a waitress. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't recognize this. The table was there. They're going to be so mad. Those are the dreams I have. You have like, I was on an adventure and this person was there and then an alien came and I had to stab them. And you're like, with a wand that I grew in my garden. And everyone's like, what? Like, it's just so wild. You had a wand. Right. It's so cool. You got good dreams, but moral of that story, I think, rings true to tell people. Because in this case, if Violet and Zayden had an actual conversation uh, about what between was their fighting on. and their sexing, we could have maybe been like, oh, hey, this, this seems to be a problem. Let's dig into this a bit. Where is this leading us? Let's pull on this thread and unravel an entire tapestry. Because <laughs> you know it's going to be an entire tapestry because we've got three more books to get through. Exactly. So without further ado, you heard our thoughts and feelings, our vagueish thoughts and feelings. Let's get into some plot points. So I'm calling this section Rebels Without a Cause. And this is where we first jump into the book. So we open uh, with Violet alive and well with her brother and the rest of the rebels at Zayden's childhood home, which they have been using, which the rebels have been using as their headquarters. Now, I greatly appreciate this kind of warm, warm opening we got as opposed to the incredible high stakes of the last JLA book where we're like thrown back into the thick of it and you're like what what is what what is up and down and this one you warmed back into it which I appreciated she kind of reiterated some of the things that had happened before while progressing the plot forward so just a little note there I really enjoyed that now as we know from book one one of the biggest cliff the biggest cliffhanger at the end of the book was that her formerly dead brother Brennan is actually alive and well. So one of the biggest questions we need to know is how the heck are you alive? Uh, and we do get that answer. We learn that Tarn, Tarn, so that's how you're saying him? I'm mm-hmm. adapting to your saying. Tarn. Mm-hmm. Tarn's previous writer was Nolan, and he was a siphon. 
they were Brennan and, and Nolan were stationed together during a battle. Um, Not the same Nolan. That's the healer, though. This is this is Naolin. N a o l i n. Nolan the healer is N o l o n, I believe. Or N o l a n. I don't know. Very Something similar like names. Yes. Different Nolan. So Tarn's first writer, Nolan, was a siphon. And why it was believed that they both died when Nolan was trying to save Brennan. In actuality, Nolan used his power until he burned out. Uh, he ultimately saved Brennan and Brennan's dragon, but he perished. So that death was actually true. Brennan was brought back to life and sort of secretly because other nearby dragons hid him him hid him and his dragon and eventually brought them to safety through caves and through different tunnels to bring them um to Zayden's home with other civilians who had also survived the battle that they were previously fighting so there's the answer to the mystery Brennan's alive and well and had been for six years unbeknownst to his family uh we also learn that the rebels are structured are are more structured than I think we are led to believe and Violet's led to believe in than the first book. So they are mm-hmm. using Zayden's childhood home, but they also have a war council called the Assembly made up of not just marked ones, so those are the ones whose family members previously rebelled, but other defectors from Navarre. Brennan, her back-from-the-dead brother, uh, heads up basically the entire council, but there is older war generals there with them. Can't remember their names. They're kind of dicks, except for Felix. Right. So she names them like Hook Nose or like she has yeah. weird names for them. But they're all kind of I feel like they're all kind of curmudgeon-y. Like older yeah. bureaucrats. You know how they are. So how is Violet feeling on this? She just survived a war, a battle that a combat with an enemy they all thought was made up. She was on the near brink of death. The man that she loved but couldn't tell she loved him lied to her. So and she just found out her dead brother is alive. So safe to say our girl is conflicted on her feelings. On one hand, she's so happy her brother's alive and well. On the other hand, she's really freaking pissed that he hid this from their family. She blames him for her father's death, which obviously rightfully so. And Zayden also has a, a share of that conflicted feelings as well because for the obvious reasons, he hid stuff from her. He knew her brother was alive and didn't tell her. He knew that these Griffin Riders like, was helping their sworn enemy, the Griffin Riders, up until this point. And so she feels like she can't even trust him. So it's worth noting, it's not just Violet and Zayden there, obviously. It is the entire group who fought against the Vanine at Resin. They are there and they need to figure out two things. What are they going to do with the knowledge that they were set up? And how are they going to ruin the rest of Navarre? Because remember... The rest of the world thinks their main enemy is the Griffin Riders. They have no idea that this mythological group, the Vanin, are With the Wyvern and the Sage. Right, with the Wyvern and the Sage are real and that they are the real threat that Navarre needs to be on the lookout for. And they are the reasons the, the wards are falling. So how dire is it? I'd say pretty dire. Because the Assembly believe that they've got six months or less before the Vanin begin their attack against Navarre. Which means not only are the rebels fucked, but the rest of the continent would be fucked. And these Benin, as we said in the last book, they're they're not nice fighters. They are going to drain the earth. They're going to basically disintegrate you as they drain. Yeah, they you. like suck out your life force, and you become like a not even a husk. You a husk, you and then your husk, husk that 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 dissipates. Right, not a good dust. way to go. Although maybe it's quick. So ugh, ugh, ugh. Imagine like all your organs shutting down. Ooh. So 
uh, needless to say, time is of the essence here. And their biggest issue, despite um, number one issue, is the Venine attack. How the heck are we going to fight them off? But also they need to find the Luminary, which is a crucial tool needed for making weapons and something they desperately need if they have any hope of arming themselves and the rest of Navarre against the upcoming attack. Yeah, because they need to arm themselves with a special weapon. You can't just kill the Wyvern. No, it's you can't kill the Venin. Yeah. The Venin are the like writers of the Wyvern or the creators of the Wyvern. Yep. And, and you need you the can- special infused alloy to be able to do it. And to do it, you need a luminary. Or you zap them with a lot of lightning. Right. If you have that at your disposal. And so it's it's worth noting that we don't necessarily know what a luminary is, just calling that out there. We know that Bagsgath has one, and we know that some Viscount, a couple, again, because I have no idea where the, there's a map, so I'm like, is this a couple states over? A couple, like a hop, skip, and a jump over? No clue. In the one of Peromiel's provinces or cities, Corden, right. that Viscount apparently has a luminary that he may be willing to give up under the right circumstances. Right. And they don't want to test those circumstances. So we don't really know specifically what it is. If anyone has watched The Mandalorian, I think it's similar to the forge that the armorer uses when she's making the Mandalorian armor. That's how I kind of picture it in my head. But basically without it, they don't stand a chance of, again, fighting off the Vanine. So remember, Navarre thinks their big baddie are the rebels and the griffin fighters. And the rebels and the griffin fighters are like, hey, actually there's – Something much more bigger and terrifying than us. Like, we really need to focus on this. But Navarre is shielded from all of that because of what's been set up many centuries ago. And we'll get into that. Another thing. This <laughs> news piece. Poor Violet, man. Like, info dropping left and right of big things. Your this brother's was a lot alive. Of process. You almost died. Hey, thanks for finally waking up. Here's this shit show. Yeah. You're now living. Here's the shit, the nightmares that your dad used to read you in a book also were real because you saw them. But also your bonded dragon, Ardana. So to everyone's shock, when when Violet's healed enough to go up to where the dragons are hanging out, the ridgeline, I guess, or the valley, she is shocked to see that our little sweet golden Ardana is not golden anymore and not little anymore. She's grown twice the size of what she was and has turned black. And Tarn kind of explains to her that, explains to Violet that in using her powers to stop time, which helped Violet bring down the Venine, this kind of threw her into dragon adolescence. So she went from like- Early. Early, like pre-puberty. We skipped over that and we just went from like- She was never a tween. Never a tween. There we go. I'm like, what's the middle? She was never a tween. She went straight into puberty. And they need her bring to bring her back to the veil so she can enter the dreamless sleep and finish the growth process. And it's crucial that they get back to their there to the veil so that the elders can look after her too, because Tar notes that this is unprecedented. Like this is this is not normal. And so Violet, of course, feels an immense amount of guilt about this because she feels like if I didn't use her, force her to use her powers to do this, then she would be fine. And so This, with a a lot of other contributing factors, kind of makes their decision for them that they need to go back to Bagsgath and and make their presence known. So they hatch a plan to kind of stage it with timing of the graduation. 
Of course, now Violet has a slew of more information, like very classified information, that she's now susceptible uh, or that Dane could now potentially grab out of her brain because he's a memory reader. Mm -hmm. So it is so crucial that Zayden teaches Violet how to shield so that uh, Dane doesn't read her memories because, of course, that's how we think we ended up in this mess in the first place. Any other thoughts? No. I think you covered that pretty well. Oh, Violet decides that she, well, I guess she decides that later, that she and Zayden aren't going to be together. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting, too. You can add that in. Yeah. They're, she's, they're not together. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. You're welcome. So, where do we go? We head back to Bagsgath. So, amongst... The many reasons why we go back. I did prefer when you said Bagsmar. <laughs> I know, like Bagsgath is not f- flowing off my tongue, so I'm just gonna go with Bagsgath or Bagsmarth. Bagsmarth. B school. <laughs> I'm gonna call it B school. B school. B school. When they go back to Bagsgath, Bagsmarth, uh, much to everyone's shock, that they are alive because they thought they were dead, and then the- they were on the death rolls. Yeah, I was gonna say a very dramatic way that they're like, and Zayden Royson died, and he's like. The fuck I didn't. And everyone's like, what? Because they're standing in formation. And, you know, it's a very official thing. Everyone's standing nice and tightly in formation. You've got the generals at the top. You've got Dane's dad, General Etos. Astos. Colonel Etos. There we go. Etos. Sorry. My Etos. bad. Yeah. Don't give that man more rank than he I has. Know. That petty bitch of a man. Yes. And uh, Violet's mom is there as well as several other leaders from their leadership team. And so when they come storming in, safe to say everyone's up in an uproar. The scribe is like, you told me they were dead. How are they not dead? You clearly told me they were dead. Like he's really fixated on the fact that like you told me they were dead. And I'm like, bro. And I have wrong information. Yeah. Poor scribe. I don't know. Poor scribe. And what's clear here is that we learn, because you know there was a little piece of Violet that was like, did my mom know we were set up to go to combat? But what's clear here is that Violet's mom had no idea that they were sent into an active combat mission and that General Atos, Dane's dad, set them up. So instead of telling them the truth that we were in a Venine attack, we were set up, they say they, – they basically lead the group to believe that they were attacked by gri- griffins and that's what killed Liam and almost took out Violet. Now what's interesting to note here is Dane's dad, Colonel, Colonel Atos – he knows what really happened. He knows what killed Liam and the others and what almost took down Violet. And was it Soleil? Soleil? So, yeah. Soleil. So, Soleil. 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 We didn't get enough time with her, so I didn't actually commit her name to memory. But yes, yeah, someone else. And Zayden knows exactly what happened. But Itos can't explore the, expose their lie without exposing the truth about the Venine, and Zayden knows this. So we see this crack in the foundation of – uh, General Sorengale, Violet's mom, where she is both relieved to see her daughter's not dead and also pissed that her life was, was threatened, but also she's impressed and is proud of her daughter for having ha- survived what is she's now being told she survived. Speaking of who else is being impressed, Dane. He is so relieved to see Violet and he kind of runs over to her like a happy little puppy like, oh my god, you're alive. This is great. And Violet's like, don't you fucking touch me ever again. Yes. And he's like, what? What happened? Why? And he's just so confused why she would be so angry with him. And and later we're getting into why. But it it was just – 
even at this point, I'm like, is he faking why he should is be he mad this at her? stupid? I mean, boys right. are this stupid. So it's perfectly acceptable for him to be like, why are you mad at me? But this was like the first, I don't know. I was like, oh, is is Dane like are you clueless or are you Is Dane earning a redemption him? arc? Is he? Let's just say if Dane can do it, maybe maybe uh Tamlin too. Okay. There's hope for Tamlin. I will oh, say the Dane the Dane fan art is helping. better looking than the Tamlin. Yeah. It helps. So it's graduation night when they make their big entrance and they are Violet and her group promoted to second years. Dane becomes a squad leader and Rihanna becomes the section leader. Now, Rihanna is Violet's BFF. We love her. She's a badass bitch. And so you're so excited to see her kind of step into this power. Uh, Zayden also graduates as a third year and he's promoted to lieutenant. And there's something about this man being a lieutenant where I'm like, ooh, hey. Mm, yeah, kind of not. Not, mind, not mad about it. But as sort of a punishment because – Everyone knows something happened and Atos kind of knows something happened. He knows what happened. Brand new Lieutenant Zayden is not sent to the mid guard where everyone who immediately graduates is. He's immediately thrown to the front lines. Not just that, but the toughest and farthest outposts. Now, this makes getting back, because of course we've got the mating bond to contend with here. His dragon and Violet's dragon. And I know you say it differently, but I'm going to go Sagel. I know it's like Sagal, but this is why oh, I said it the first time. I just, I just say Gale. Gale. Gale with an S. Which is a cool name. I do I do appreciate your pronunciation. Thank you. Thank you. I can't I, I can't can't teach this old dog new tricks. Uh so Sagel and Taryn's mating bond, they cannot be part like after three days, they're getting all antsy and irritated. So the flight times between the college and this outpost, it's it basically they get like 24 hours together to have to then wait another week before they can have another 24 hours together. Yeah. So not so, great. Yeah. So basically he and Violet are taking turns about who rides out to who, um, which is a little annoying for Violet because obviously she has to put her studies on hold and, but it's, it's sanctioned leave. She is allowed to leave. She's allowed to leave. But every not, two weeks. Right. But they're not trusting the her. alternate weeks. Yeah. They're not trusting her and they make that much harder, which we'll get into later. Um, and even though we just survived this thing, we're back. He's immediately being shipped off. Like they get back. I'm imagining it. We're like six o'clock and by 9 a.m. the next morning, he's off at his outpost. So we're, there's not much time together when they're back at the college and they still don't trust each other. And this whole 20 questions thing really kind of kicks off here. Uh, and so obviously we, we said about it earlier, but he keeps saying she needs to ask the right questions. She doesn't know what questions she needs to ask. And so then she just doesn't ask any questions, even though like she's starting to form them. She's not like, I'm not going to follow this train of thought. I'm just going to leave it. But also he is sort of withholding information and she knows that he has to do this because, again, Dane is a loose cannon. We don't know where he stands. We don't know his loyalty slide. Like, so realistically, she can't know everything. Should she fall victim again to Dane's memory reading? And she's got a lot of class inf classified information on the rebellion since she was basically at its headquarters and know who's running it. So she's got to keep that on lockdown. Atos, thankfully, is – now I say thankfully, but this man is shipped off. And we don't know to where. So I feel like he'll be back again. Like he's alive and we know he'll be back again. Jack Barlow died and came back again. So I know he'll be back. But Atos is shipped off for his antics, uh, the stunts he pulled during war games, leaving unmanned outposts, sending combat or ca cadets into active 
war scenes and General Stormgale's like, pick your shit and go. Everything you own in a box to the left. And he leaves, but there's a new asshole in town to take his place. And you heard us talk about this jerk before. Enter Major Varish. Major number one fuck that guy on our list for this book. He is a sniveling fucking asshole. I would I would love to bring him back from the dead and still punch him a lot and stab him. Yeah, like a good junk punch, like right where it hurts. That's what mm-hmm. you need. So before Atos goes, he gives them this ominous message because, again, he knows what happened. Zayden knows he knows what happens. And so he tells Violet and Zayden, secrets make for poor leverage. They die when the people who keep them die. Or they die with the people who keep them. I'm going to say that again. Secrets make for poor leverage. They die with the people who keep them. Basically, in no uncertain terms, threatening all their lives. And sure enough, assassination attempts start popping off. Everyone everyone that was in Resin um, basically has a hit out on their lives and they get attacked multiple times. So there's Imogen. Mm-hmm. Not Quinn. There's a Mason, I believe. There's there's some others whose names we kind of learn, but they well, are- there was there was Zayden and Garrick for sure, mm-hmm. and Imogen. I feel like those are the three main people. There were other people, obviously Liam and some and Soleil and a couple other people, but obviously Garrick and Zayden get stationed at the front, so right. they thinking that those guys are going to be dead any day now. Um, Imogen gets attacked a couple of times. Violet gets attacked a couple of times. Nadine, who was in Violet's squad, gets killed. Brutal. Right off the bat because some guy comes up to Violet was make they were like in the sparring gym. This 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 was like, whoa. They're in I the know. sparring gym, getting ready to like set up, you know, to start sparring. And someone's making fun of Violet because they're like, oh, people keep asking about you. People keep asking about you. And some guy comes up and it's like Violet Z- Zorangale. Zorin- yeah, I said that right, right? Zorangale, yeah. Zorangale. And then Nadine is like, oh, I'm Violet. So this guy comes and he just like fucking kills her. Yeah, because she had her hair purple and she was like, oh, I'm Violet, jokingly, because my hair's Violet. Get it? Like a joke. And this man, who's a first year, and I believe they called him Jack Barlow 2.0, just snaps her neck. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Because... What the fuck? All she did was pretend to be Violet and yeah, got her like killed. No, no questions asked. It was it was pretty intense. So in Violet's squad, fourth winds? No, is it the wing? I don't. I uh, still don't understand. I, but it's her, Rhiannon, Riddick, and Sawyer. So they're the tight squad or wing or I don't they're know, the Scooby Gang for all intents and purposes that yeah. we are rooting for to survival to the end. It's supposed to be Violet and her besties. And then obviously there's Imogen and Bodhi. That's right. Bodhi's another one who Mm -hmm. survived several assassination attempts, who's uh, Zayden's cousin. And obviously, and then Garrick is with Zayden because they graduated. Right. So they all know. Well, they start to put together as these attempts kind of come to light. You're like, wow, they're just picking off the people that were in wrestling with us because, again, to his threat, dead people can't tell my secrets. Dead man tell no tales. It's really interesting that this, and we'll, I guess we get into it later. We'll probably get into it in part two. That this country, for lack of a better word, a kingdom, I guess, because mm-hmm. there's king, is 
so interested in protecting its people that they would rather have them be ignorant right than prepped for this and it's just this is like bad decisions it's almost hard like when you say it out loud it's hard to make sense of it because you're like why why would you do that why would you not just warn them of this threat but then that unravels centuries of lies that they've just been perpetuating like why why choose to lie about something like this right i don't know Maybe we'll get that in the later books. Perhaps. I mean, they do have that to unravel in three more books, so we'll see. So they've survived their first year, and they didn't die. Hooray! But let's see if they can make it through the next year. Uh, You would think it would be easier after the threshing, and they didn't get burned alive by dragons, but no. They also have to go through this process as a second year. It's super classified. Like, no one will ever talk about it. Like, first first rule fight club is there is no fight club type of thing. But there is... What they have, the RSC, which I forgot what it stands for, but it's like Writers Squad something. Um, But basically, it's where your professors kidnap you and teach you how to resist torture. So they torture you. Yeah, they torture you. They torture you and they teach you how to resist it and now do not cave. And as you guessed it, people die during this. So high stakes living again. Up with this fucking place. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny when you read later on and they actually team up with some griffins who are in like their version of the war college. And they're like, yeah, we all thought it was fucking weird. You guys just like die all the time. And they're like, what? You don't? You guys don't die? You You guys miss your griffin? Yeah, you just go in the you ocean, and swim around. And it's like cliff diving. And they're like, yeah, that's it's weird that you die. And you're <laughs> like, like, just embarrassed, and that's it. <laughs> no, my gosh, that's survivable. I'll take that. Um, so they've got that whole scenario happening now as they're back at school. And of course, even though Violet was told explicitly by Zayden and her brother not to get involved, she enlists her scribe friend Jacinia to help her locate any books that date back to the creation of the wards, because. She knows that they are working on getting a luminary, but as a plan B, she's like, we got to figure out what is happening with these wards. And as a girl who was trained all her life up until recently to be a scribe, like the answers are in the books. Let's go back to seeing what we can find to help save off the Vanine attack. So as second years, they also have the elite privilege of helping the new wannabes cross the parapet. Uh, and in doing so, they meet two special first years that play a, pole, a, a role in the rest of the book that I want to talk about. Number one is Liam's sister, Sloane. So Sloane comes across. She's also a rebel like Liam. And when I say she loathes Violet, I mean she despises, hates with a passion. At the very c- core of her being is a flame with her hatred for Violet. Because she because, blames her for the death of her brother. And as a reminder, so, it's so one-sided in a way. But like how would she have known the other side? You know? Yeah. But it's just like it's so it's so devastating because Violet made that promise to Liam as he was dying that she would take care of his little sister. And she goes to reach out to her and basically Sloan's like, get the fuck away from me, you fucking bitch i hate you right and violet's even like before you cross this parapet like tie your hair back put it in a braid you're gonna take like she was giving her all the tips that her sister mira had left her in the book of renan to get across because she's like i have i have to help her she violet is still very much grieving and in the throes of understanding what liam's loss means and she's like this is a way that i can properly honor his death because as a reminder when 
a bonded rider and dragon, when the dragon dies, even though the rider may be perfectly healthy, the rider dies as well. So that's what, exactly what happened in Liam's case. His dragon was gutted. Liam, unscathed, also passed away, which makes it was very brutal. Which is worse. Yeah. And so she feels, like I said, an immense amount of guilt for his his death. Um, and she really tries to help her with tips and tricks. And Sloane's really like, yeah, get the fuck away from me. But ultimately, of course, takes her tips and tricks and was like, and makes it across. Uh, we also meet Eric. And A.K.A. Like, the king's third son. Um, he hates his father and ditched his king's guard to come to Bagsgath to become a writer. He knew his dad was be pissed and was like, yeah, kind of, I don't care about him. So fuck that guy. I'm going to do what's right and come here to become a writer. So Violet recognized him immediately from her younger years, from traveling with her mom and being stationed in different places. Um, but she keeps his true identity a secret. And everyone just knows him as Eric. I think his name is Cam. Yeah, something like that. Um, so he eventually makes it across as well. Now this is where things get truly wild and we start to see how unhinged Varish is and in addition to his dragon. There's there's beef between Tarn and Solas. Oh, yeah. So we learn much later on. Tarn, I forgot what the reason why. We'll probably get into it in part two. Like, pokes Solus's eye out. So he's got one little eye, one little beady eye. Um, but during the first formation, so all the riders, you know, first first years make it across the parapet. They're all standing there for the first time. And as you remember in the first book, a big old dragon comes and tries to, like, scare the group a little bit. And they're like, you got to earn your right to be in this squad. And then sometimes people run away and they get burned. They're toast. Um, so Solus is the dragon that comes to scare everyone there. And when they get a runner, Solus goes to torch them. But not only does he torch the rider, but like the, I'm sorry, the runner, but he has no regard for any of the people that are standing in the way. So which happens to be first wing, fourth, whatever, violets. Right. The entire half of their third squad so violet tarn warns her what's about to come she drops to the ground and her armor yeah prevents her from getting like super burned but she is burned like burned off her clothes or her uniform um and it takes out half the formation who didn't i mean half the squadron who didn't break formation and that were bonded to dragons and just killed all these people and Everyone is just in shock, truly in shock that he's just like, that just happened. Right. And it's oops, like, my bad. And Varish. No repercussions. No repercussions for Varish either. None. You would like, you just torched half our training squad. Like you would think. Like healthy cadets. They're like, this is not the way for them to die. There's other ways for them to die. Like this was not one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Tarn is absolutely pissed that Violet got burned and he flies over there in a heartbeat to scare Solus off, basically. And we're, we're going to leave us with there because we got through a lot in this first half of this book. And although we have a lot, lot more to get into, we have other co- couple of thoughts and feelings we want to get into in regards to our star ratings for this book. So we're going to stop there and then we'll come back to part two or the rest of the book in part two. So Hilda. What was your star rating on this book? I gave it a solid 4.5. 
it was it was damn close to excellent deducting half a star because the violet zayden cat storyline was annoying me and i could have used a map yeah a map would have been helpful yeah and especially maybe we're gonna need a glossary i don't know there's too many names and they're not necessarily it's not like you know tom dick and harry (laughs) it's true you know so and then there's these gods so like you have malik who right. I guess is like the god of war that they mostly worship. But then there's some guy named Dune. Dunn. Oh, Dune. Dunn? Dunn. D-U-N-N-E. Uh. I thought of the poet John Dunn, except that's D-O-N-N-E. I don't know. Anyways, so you have just a lot of variety in the types of names. So I can't keep anything straight. I am. The first time they mentioned Dunn, Dune, I was like, who is who is this? And then I realized we're talking about a god. Like, oh, okay. Oh, the god of luck. Oh, okay. Had I met him before? Like, is this the first time we meet him? Right. I think it is. I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember Malik because they say, like, we can dub their souls to Malik when they die. So I was like, okay, great. Remember him. Dunn was new. Dune. There was another one in there, too, at some point. So it was a lot. And the places all have weird names. So, again, doesn't it's not really stuff that like sticks to you as non-gallic speakers <laughs> it's not flowing off the tongue yeah it's yeah it was a little so tough. but still it was it was really it was really good much better much better than fourth wing like if you thought fourth wing was just like oh it's fine this is so much better i i have to agree with this i also gave this a 4.5 and i think what i love so much and this is what brick called up before she's like it was it was the television paced, pacing. Like, yes, like a television show. Like, there were segments where the intensity, but we had the right balance of intense situations and talking. It wasn't it like, like built up. Yeah. Right. There was an accurate build up to it, what we call like a season finale, per se. And it's not something that I was cognizant of by reading, but once I saw that Britt mentioned that I was like, oh my God, absolutely. And I think that's why ultimately I loved this book so much because it kept you entertained throughout the entire process. The pacing, because I guess it had that setup, the pacing was more even mm-hmm. as opposed to like waiting all the way until the end to have a 100 page battle that's just crazy. Well, you know, pages one through like 700 are super boring. Correct. So there was constantly action, constantly something going on. I, absolutely. 100%. And it made me feel something. I was afraid for the characters i was happy for them i was devastated for them i hated them it made me feel connected to every single one of them i was like oh god please please don't let this person die like i it's like sawyer like i don't spend a lot of time with sawyer but i also did not want him to die i didn't want riddick to die like i not that he did but i'm just saying i just like you really has a crush on jacinia i know he wants to learn how to sign so he can talk to her so cute and so I just – I loved the characters. I also took off a half a point, but because just the miscommunication, the push and pull, the miscommunication trope was a little bit uh, much. She's like, I can't trust him. How can I trust him? And he's just like, well. It seemed, it seemed immature. Yeah, it did from her point. And then she's like, but my God, this chemistry between us, it's like anything I've ever felt. And like we had to hear that whole line of reasoning happened four or five times when he when he was like i'm not gonna have sex with you until you trust me i was like 
that that doesn't happen in the real world. Nobody caved in three seconds. Right. <laughs> Just three like, seconds. But like, uh-uh. I know. And he really wanted her to say, I love you back. And she was like, absolutely not. I will not. But in her head, she's like, I do love him. I do. But she, it was, she was so hard-headed about it. Yeah. And she's like, she admits it in like torture training, but it, it was their relationship is not, their relationship is not my favorite, but the action and adventure that's happening is kind of making up for it. Absolutely. And if they were a Facebook status, it would say like, it's complicated. <laughs> that would be their relationship status. It's complicated, but for stupid reasons. Correct. Of our own. <laughs> of our own making. Right. Like not the actual war that is happening. So we love this book. I would truly love to hear everyone's thoughts and feelings on what they thought as well. We were both pleasantly surprised and I want to know if you are too because I think we had some folks originally when we read it and some DMs that were like, oh, I'm glad you read it so I can know what the hype is about. I don't know if I'm going to continue. I would say continue. I think it's at this point I'm saying it's worth it to dive yeah, in. Yeah, it's, it's better. I'm really hoping we're not like taking our sentiments back after book three because, you know, we were like, oh, the shadow and the embers, good. It's so good. Read it. Now we're just like – can the series end? So <laughs> hopefully yeah, we're no. not eating our words. But at this point in this time, if you're reading books one and two, I'd say yes, golden. One, two builds upon one. It is infinitely better. So please hit us up on our Spotify questions of the week and also slide into our DMs at booktalkmademe underscore pod. I, I, I truly have to know what you guys are thinking because I, I got to know. Please talk to us and tell us. So let's get into the Spotify questions of the week. Uh, this first one comes to us from Lakeisha Goodman. She answered the question, do you think this series could have been four books or could JLA have wrapped it up in three? And this is, of course, referring to A Fire in the Flesh. And she said, it could have been three books. To be honest, I'm losing faith in the storyline altogether. Started so strong, same with Blood and Ash, but it's just not holding my attention anymore. Ooh, same girl. We feel that. We feel it. I think we feel that hard. <laughs> we feel the same. But we're going to... We're going to keep going. We're going to we're going to see it through because no one likes a quitter. No. And we're not quitters. No. Well, we try not to be. It does happen from time to time. Oh, uh, you know, sometimes it gets the best of us. Uh, Claudia answered the question, the same question. Do you think this book could have been wrapped up in four books or wrapped up in three books? Or do you think it should be four? And she said, honestly, it could have been a duology. I think that there's enough plot content to make it well-rounded trilogy, but it could have been a really good duology. I I think you're right. I think bring back a duology. I mean, we said nothing it happened. Nothing really happened in book two. And then nothing happened in book three until the very end. Right. Yeah. It's just it's getting extended. Too extended. Too extended. Uh, Paige B also answered the same question. And she th said, it probably could have been wrapped up in three books. But I also think Castile's line is from the God that helped Sarah while she was imprisoned. He mentioned a horse named Seti, or Seti. How are we saying Seti. Seti. Seti is Cass's horse in From Blood and Ash. Now. So I think we're talking, because we all talked about this separately, I think it's Atis. Yes, because I think she had was also in our comments talking the same thing, and I saw this pop up where she said it was Atis, or you had told it was Atis, and I was like, oh. Hold the phone. Like my AirPods just happened to read me the message on my AirPods when I was listening to something else. And I was like, I have to jump in and hear this because I feel like we're on the right thread with that one. 
because so I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I remember when I was reading, I was like, Addie's is like really excited about Satoria coming back. And it was almost like he was like, well, I knew her. So there seemed right, to like, be some type of her? there seemed to be some type of backstory there. And so I think that would further prove the point that Poppy is now the reincarnation of Satoria, which is what this book made me feel. So made me think. Yes. And I was taking some kind of vibe like he knew her in like an intimate way. Knew yeah. her. Yeah. And I know they mentioned his children died. So like did his children die because they were his and Satoria's children? Is his the bloodline that continued down? Which would be weird because then that would make Cat like – there's questions. Yeah, There's like, questions. I don't know how that works if that's Satoria's children and Cass is of Satoria's bloodline and then like he's mating with Poppy who is also Satoria. I don't know how that works, but I'm just I'm curious. There's something we'll we'll let we'll let JLA figure that out. Yeah. Um but in the meantime, I'm I think I'm picking up what she's throwing down, but who knows these days. Who knows. Uh so all great theories there. XY Bunny answered the question, if you were Tori, would you have said no to Darius in Zodiac Academy book four? And she said, no, exclamation point. Girl, I wouldn't have said no either. I would have been like, oh, we're having our divine moment. You've been an asshole to me this whole time. I'll let it go, baby. I'll let it go. It just, again, I love the succinct answer. No. No is a complete sentence. It is. Especially with an exclamation point. Yes. Very uh, passionate about that one. Um, Claudia answered, if you were Tori, would you have said no to Darius? Same question. She said, absolutely not. Her saying no is just another example of how she doesn't even bother to understand Solaria and its customs. She just wants to change it to what she wants it to be. Claudia. She's girl. not wrong. Always bringing, always bringing the hard points that I'm like, yeah. wrong. She's right. She's right. Um, I appreciate that insight, Claudia. I really do. O2 Sally answered the question, how do you feel about Zodiac Academy 9 coming out in April 2024? She said, I stopped after book six came out and I refused to start again until it's over. It got too depressing. Oof. You know, Oof. in hindsight, I kind of feel we had made that choice <laughs> because it has been a long 24 months of suffering. It really has. This time two years ago, the series was supposed to have ended. With a happy ending, might I add. With a happy ending. And we are just... We're still here. It was hard to keep going. There were points where I'm like, I don't know if I can make it through this anymore. But I did. Chasing that happy ending that I thought was very, very close. Within reach two books ago. Um, Yeah. We feel... It's okay, Sally. When when you're ready, we will be here to talk about it. We'll be here to hold your hand and catch you up on what you missed if you don't want to dive into all of the pain. Also, want to give a shout out over on Apple for a review that was left by Mogert number one. Um, they said, I was in the hunt for a book pod that made me feel like I was gossiping about the books with friends, and that's exactly what this is. I also needed good book recs, and they are covered so many. So many I haven't read, so I'm looking forward to reading and gossiping about them. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Mogert number one. We have always said that we are your podcast book club gossipy besties we're gonna bitch about it we're gonna laugh about it we're gonna cry about it i'm so happy you found us and thank you so much for the lovely review yeah and if you want to chat some more feel free to slide into our dms yeah i um, want to know talk to us specifically what books 
I'm curious to know of the ones we've covered, which ones are you, you're getting through next, which ones you're hitting up on your priority list. I want to know. And then we can give you, well, we'll talk about it when you finish them even more. Um, and that goes for everyone. Please. We are an open book in our DMs. You can hi slide on over there. Um, again, we say it all the time. You'll mostly get Hilda, but Bridget and I make guest appearances there as well, <laughs> as I did with, uh, I think it was Paige's comment there. She thought I was at ease and I was like, hold the phone. I'm jumping in here. Um, so we always love hearing from you guys what books you're reading, what is causing you current anguish, and if there's recommendations you want us to hear. So of course, you can find us at booktalkmamie underscore pod at Instagram and on TikTok. Um, and I do have one general, I guess, announcement uh, to make. Has anybody read anything by Amelia Hutchins, specifically The Legacy of the Nine Realms? I need help because I read it and the fourth book, I just realized I pre-ordered it. It was in my Kindle and I started reading it and I was like, I do not remember what happened in the first three books because I read them so long ago. And um, if anybody could give me a recap, just remind me what's happening. That would be great. It's almost like you need a podcast reset. You need your own podcast episode to catch you up on this. Right. It's not, it's not on our schedule. So uh, this was personal reading (laughs) as I take a break from the stalking who stuffed her (laughs) (laughs) please if you guys know this book help help a sister out help help hilda catch up to speed on what she's reading what book was it again it's um it's amelia hutchins it's the legacy of the nine realms um and it's book four which is queen of chaos um which is apropos because i remember nothing and that's chaotic (laughs) i was like we love a queen of chaos we love a chaotic moment all right guys that is it from us tonight We'll be back with part two on Iron Flame next. And then we'll be getting into, I think we said Kevin from TikTok. You guys know who she is. You know, she wrote a a second desire. What was it? Is it a forbidden desire? I think so. Now, we covered her first book on the podcast and we were all like, I, this was good. Look, I'm into it. So I'm excited to dive back into it. I hope it's just as good. Um, again, haven't heard too much about it, but would love to have you guys join us on a reading journey if you're between books and dive in. I believe it's available on Kindle Unlimited if you have that. Uh, one quick shout out also before we leave. I know we keep saying like, that's it from us, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Just a reminder, our current thankful for you giveaway is live until December 4th. Um, we had a little bonus episode content go out and we just really are so grateful for all of you guys for coming on this journey with us. And it is our second annual and traditional giveaway. So head on over to Instagram. The post is there. It'll tell you what you need to do. It's very easy to win and we'll send you some beautiful swag in return. I'm very excited to share that with you guys. Me too. And I kind of want it. So we may have to order extra Maybe for we'll ourselves. Buy it for ourselves this time too. I think we need to. Because <laughs> last time we didn't, we're like, dang it, this is so cute. All right. Now that is officially it from us. We can't wait to talk to you guys next time and we'll catch you on part two. Bye. Bye.